To all our sidekicks and hench folk out there in the Geek Nation, you're currently tuning into the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert, episode number 773, wherein we will review this past week's comics as well as talk about some fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. Maybe things like Peacemaker. Who's to say? We are, because it's our show. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo of John Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a super rad shop which caters to super rad folks, uh, except for except for people with stinky armpits. Don't bring that in. Don't bring that to me. Joining me tonight are Noel Bartocci and Brian Lieb. Hi, Noel. Oh. Hi, Brian. Hi. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not, but I'm sorry, but I'm not, but I'm discussion but I'm, topic. Sorry. Shut up, Noel. Let's, ch- let's talk. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about Noel shutting up. Uh, discussion topic. What are your thoughts regarding Dark Crisis? Excited? Upset? Intrigued? Aroused? Aroused, yeah. Um, all right. First of all, all right. I my answer your question with a question. Even though I read the question, it was Noel's question. My question is, what's Dark Crisis? Uh, Brian, would you like to give a, a quick pitch of Dark Crisis, um, the upcoming DC event? Well, that's what I was going to say about it. <laughs> it. It is the upcoming DC event. I guess it spins out of uh, the. Infinite Frontier and Justice League Incarnate. Um, I liked Infinite Frontier a lot. I have not gotten through the first part of the first issue of Incarnate, and I never went. I never went back. Um, it is. It is. It is the. It is the new new that's been all leading up to this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um coming out of death metal all of the infinite frontier stuff and it's led to a dark army there's a dark army yeah it's like dark side and right well he's got barry some, eclipso and someone else and someone else I, Psycho I, don't, I don't really know is involved oh yeah 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 a bit so um, i was interested then, in the end of that like the end of infinite frontier i was like oh this seems pretty cool um, either way that hang on let me finish that dark yeah. army apparently is going to kill the justice league and then something else is going to happen that is dark crisis like it's explicitly called dark crisis and it will be joshua williamson and chris sampier yeah i have no idea who that second guy is artist (laughs) oh okay artist okay um Uh, yeah it's the big big it's this summer's big and the only reason why Marvel does an event every quarter. 
They just do. Every three to four months is a Marvel event crossover. DC does them every other year. Like, big events. I'm not talking about Infinite Frontier. Yeah. That's not oh, an yeah, event. Yeah. That's, that's a miniseries. Yeah, yeah. But, like, an event, they do it, like, maybe every other year. I think the last one was Dark or Death Metal, right? Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. It's, it just, it's sometimes, even, even if I'm not excited about it, it feels slightly more newsworthy, considering they do them much more infrequently than the other large publisher that has crossover shared universe. Mm. Um, unlike me, Dan H is in the comments saying I'm in cause I love Josh Williamson. I do not love Josh Williamson. I can't think of a single Josh Williamson project that I completed. Mm. I'm that I read all the way through and enjoyed. I think he is not like a, a guy that I, always know I'm like oh this you know I'm gonna like whatever he's written but he's written a bunch of stuff that I like the only one that I can think of is Infinite Frontier um but I feel like I, um, he's written other stuff that I was into Flash he he, re- he wrote the Flash for like 72 years oh when, when, I mean it felt that's well yeah Rebirth yeah, yeah Jeremy Pierce is in the comments saying Josh's run on the Flash was really good there you go so um, yeah, I I, oh, he's, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed yeah. that this is spinning out even of death metal. Like I'm into an event, but it, death metal seemed to be like, all right, that is concluded. And now we're on to another thing. You know, it's not like crisis on infinite earths led to the next crisis, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so we'll see was what it, happens. But, yeah. Was it, was it, was it misleading for me to say that it spins? It, I don't, it may not spin out of death metal as a, like a those characters returning in some sort of way, but it seems to have been made possible by the continuity change re- that resulted from death metal. Oh, whatever like because Darkseid is now back yeah. in his original. So it's not. Form. It's not. Yeah. It's not death metal three, the awakening. It's. It's just this is what they were able to do with those that reshuffling of the board, because then I guess everything is a sequel of everything else. If oh sure, if it's just that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ongoing comic stories. Yeah, but and also like it's not uh, tonally. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anything like those books. Uh, metal and death metal were their own fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Jeremy says that the Crisis Big Bad is Pariah yes. from the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. I thought that Earth. was cool. I, I, you know, Pariah hasn't really been around since Crisis on Infinite Earths, except for maybe yeah. one or two other times. He is uh, Williamson is writing. I uh, see. He always, I always, I always sample his books, always, and I never make it three to four issues past that. Like Birthright, same. Such a great concept, and then it just. I think it's still going on. I don't know. Like, I lost the thread. Flash, I read the first, like, eight or nine issues, and it just... I skipped one month and never returned. Not because it was bad, just because it was, like, still there? Like... Not good enough? Yeah, well, it's... I think I talked with you guys about this. Like, his books, they always feel like they're... If I described them, what happened, they sound really great, but they... The practice of reading them is just more like checking boxes or reading through an outline than it is just enjoying a story. Like, 
It's just fine. But I really did like that first issue of Batman. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I I am enjoying his run on Batman so far. <laughs> Infinite Let's Frontier. See if we make it five or six issues. Yeah. Does Infinite Frontier. What is uh, that? Summer. So there's like a um, May. It, April is the death of the Justice League, which he's writing. It's like a big old one-shot, issue 75. And then in May, there are two one-shots, the free comic book day, and then a, like a road to dark crisis one-shot. And then it starts in earnest in June. And it's like six issues. It seems kind of like they yeah. are doing some of the 5G things with right, this, right? Yeah, um, like everything. Yes, everything is just kind of coming back. Well, I mean, they people creators baked those stories, so they were always just going to show up again, yeah, in some way, shape, or form. But now we have the legacy characters dealing with a crisis because they're going to kill off, kill off the Justice League right. prior to this. Yeah, that's the part I'm excited about. Yeah. I don't. I've I have no real grasp of what Dark Crisis is going to be as of yet. I am excited that they're going to kill off the Justice League and give us the, um, uh, what are they called? I, I can never think of the word. Um, legacy. The Legacy Justice League. I love a legacy character. I love a legacy team. I'm, one of my favorite eras of, of Justice League is when it had uh, Wally West and Kyle uh, Rayner on the team. There was a new Firestorm. Like, I just, I enjoy the secondary legacy hand-me-down characters you know so i like shit like this but as far as the crisis itself i don't know i like those yeah. too i really like the legacy characters of dc but that was the only part about this that i was like uh <laughs> killing the justice league ah. you know no i'm into this look at this jeremy's saying they are that's leading the tim fox yara floor caldor Joe Moline and John Kent for the jla i want to read the shit out of that justice league that's i, I love all those I, as much as I can, we can we also keep or put um, Grayson on the team because none Ooh, of uh, yeah. none I, of those people are like leaders yet. Especially that's true. Jace, that's true. Tim, Jace, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm like sure we'll two Batman fill the role. <laughs> yeah, but it would just be nice. I just want Grayson to be a leader because this book is brilliant. Well, are we are we doing Nightwing this week? No. All right. Tough titty toenails. I'm going to talk about it. I read yeah. 10 issues of Nightwing in one night between, like, my, my kid going to sleep and then waking up in the morning. I read 10 issues. I blew right through Tom Taylor's Nightwing with Bruno Redondo. Holy cats, that is such a good book. Um, it had been so long since I read the first two issues of that run that I actually just started from scratch. I went back to issue one. And, um... God, I love that book. It is so good. It is so fun. Even the tie-in um, Fear State issues, which are usually bunk, um, and I was tempted to just skip them. I was like, oh, no, that was that was good. That's good shit. Uh, if anyone out there is not reading Nightwing and you like classic DC superheroing, get it. It's so, so good. Why are we not talking about that? Was that not this week? I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like asking Brian to read seven issues. He's not reading it. Oh. Uh, I thought we were going to do it. That's why I blew through all all, all of the issues. Um, But I do not regret a single minute of it. Highly recommend. So good. Like, I know that he's not been reading it, so it was like... Yeah, I do want to. You guys talk about it so much, and I'm getting it. (laughs) It is up your alley. You are going to really enjoy Nightwing. Indeed. 
It looks cool. It's Nightwing and and the Flash are like. Oh, the Flash is in it. Oh, the oh. Flash is still good. Yeah, the most recent yeah. stuff that I read was. Yeah, still good. How far? How far behind are you? A little while, a little bit. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. I don't. I've I've never Why read the ask? Flash. Yeah. I, I know. I just I, I know that he's always like ten issues behind unless it's prescribed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, and Dan H is in the. Well, we got a bunch of comments. Nightwing is so good, says Jeremy Pierce. Co- Mars Comics says Nightwing has been awesome. Hal says glad you finally read Nightwing. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Dan H, I like the Dick and John relationship. Yes, because um, when before Superman leaves to go do wherever, I don't know where. He, I have no idea where Soup's is right he's now. He's on War World. Or, Cal Cal L. I don't know where how he is. Um, he's on World World apparently, um, but he stopped by and was like, "Hey, Dick, can you hang out with my kid? Because he's going to be taking over for me, and he needs he might need a mentor." So now they're hanging out. It's fun. Um, Damn good book. Oh, Jeremy says thank you, Brian, for recommending me Nightwing because I like Tom Taylor. So good job, Brian. You got it. Did I recommend that? It's In Jeremy person? Davis. He's a subscriber here. Yeah, he's probably a, yeah. Yes. Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Huh? Uh, all right. Should we talk about some books? Yeah. The comics okay, that came out this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would you know do that as part of the show for once. Hmm. Uh, let's let's see. I got to go back to my notes. Where's my notes? Ah, Batman the Night number two. Let me bring up my little file here. Boop boop doop. You're doing it live. Loading. <laughs> Please wait. <laughs> Share. <laughs> Share me screen. It. Slower. Window. Slower. <laughs> Sexier. Uh, oh, here it comes. Uh, hold on. Add to stream. Oh yeah, my. I did it. I win. Oh, wait, did it go away? What no, happened? it's there. Uh, I, I, I fell asleep. What happened? Are we still here? <laughs> All right. Uh, Batman the, <laughs> the Night number two. Um, DC Comics, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Carmine DiGiadomenico. It always takes me a little minute to, to figure out how to pronounce that. Bruce Wayne's journey towards becoming the Dark Knight has begun, and he has many hard lessons to learn before his education is complete. His adventure begins in the City of Lights, Paris, where he'll train with a world-renowned cat burglar and come into contact with a horrifying serial killer stalking the city's wealthy elite, um, why? Just let them, let the, let the wealthy elite die. That's what I say. <laughs> Eat the rich. Uh, until I become one of them, and then, then rich people are dope as fuck. Now you, now you sound American. <laughs> yep. I could always be a millionaire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I am just a, uh, what is it? Just a, um, mildly embarrassed Millionaire. Temporarily embarrassed. I'll be, I'll be there. Millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Um, so, this is fun. Um, uh, you know, we all sort of poo pooed this when it was coming. It's like, oh, great, more, more Batman origin story. Uh, and I still feel that way. Um, I'm not swayed. But for more, for more Batman origin story, this is fun. This is quite enjoyable. Uh, I don't need it, but I'm not mad at it. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with that. I actually wonder too, like, why is this not black label? Because they're mm-hmm. 
They seems to be so the, the the freedom of black label is not necessarily just making it adult, but they also could play with um, their version of the timeline or of events. Like this already is kind of like off the rails a little bit in regards to who Henry Ducard is and his training and how that was going, how that goes. Like he's doing it through college courses. Um. So why? I, that's, I guess, my only dig. They even have a, like, parental advisory on the cover because it, it's pretty violent. So it's like, why is this not just Black Label? But besides that, this is cool. I, like, yeah. as much as I didn't give a shit to read this again, I'm enjoying the shit out of this. So, yeah. yeah. And I like, they sort of plant the seeds where how he gets, I don't want to call it a, a cat burglar fetish. <laughs> But he certainly has a type after meeting this woman, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think this book will be collected ooh, not really around the time that Batman, the Batman, comes out, but close enough that, like, when it hits streaming, maybe, or something, this will be a collected edition, and it will be coming out while the Batman comes out. Um which is probably more pertinent. So, mm. this is a great thing. And, oh, this is why I think it's not Black Label. It's 13+, plus, but mm. a lot of different people can buy it, and a lot, way larger market can buy it. And it kind of fits with what's just before, you know, the, mm-hmm. the take of mm-hmm. the Batman, um, and him being... Uh, you know, this kind of Batman, um, from what they've been saying yeah. about it. Shoot. That is an excellent point, Brian. Yeah. I did not even series. consider the, <clears throat> the marketing aspect of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you. Um, so this was my favorite book of the week, actually. Um, and I felt basically the same as you guys where I was like, Oh, <laughs> another Batman origin story at the start of last issue. And it helps that this is not a part of the Batman origin story that we've seen a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. they usually just allude to it. And I have for a long time thought that that's better, right? Like there's no, there's no series of events that we can see that would form someone into a Batman. You know, it's like this kind of mm-hmm. unknowable journey that he takes. Um, but as long as they don't claim to be start to finish, then that's not an issue. And it's cool seeing him, you know, get these particular skills. Um, he's at a cool part, like, he is adult Bruce Wayne who knows what he wants to do and he is very good at a lot of things, but not yet this, like, supreme skill. Um, and uh, so we get to see him doing cool stuff, but also getting shot um, and questioning what he's doing, which I thought was one of the cooler aspects of the book, where he's He's, she's training with this, with this cat burglar who's not so bad, uh, but she is breaking the law. She's stealing things. And he's like, can I do this, you know, to learn what I have to do? Mm-hmm. But even then, when I'm doing what I have to do, I'll be a criminal. You know, can I do that? Can I keep my oath to mm-hmm. stop all crime to my parents by becoming a criminal? Um, and it's a contemplativeness of Batman, this kind of contemplativeness that we don't usually see. <laughs> Does he have mm-hmm. does he have a a picture of how he wants what he wants to achieve? Like I feel like it's still nebulous. 
right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. He just knows he wants to try and stop crime. He also knows that being a cop is not the way to go, mm-hmm. especially because of who he is on the surface. Well, he wants to be a vigilante, yeah. he says. Yeah, uh, but like the it's that's what I mean. Like the concept is just malleable at this point. He doesn't yeah. have like a plan and a structure right. as to how to get there. It's just learn everything and then right. eventually we'll yeah. figure it out. Which is yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think I remember in um, Dark Knight Strikes Again it was the maybe the only other time that I've seen Batman. Hal Jordan comes back and and one of them says to the other, but it was Batman that said it originally. Like I think Hal says, "You were right. We were always criminals." you know, doing what we did. Um, and I mean, they are, they're outside of the law. They do what they want. The only reason it's okay is because from our perspective, that man always gets it right. <laughs> you know, um, he can, Wait, he can, who's, yeah. Who said this to him? Was it Hal? I think Hal was no. quoting him back to himself. Like, so Wait, he was it? like, but he's agreeing with him that there are criminals, even though he works for a Wait, intergalactic no, police force. I thought, it was Hal, I thought it was Hal, Hal, it was, um, Ollie, not Hal. Was it Ollie? Oh, Ollie would make more sense. It would. Yeah, with that, I was thought it was as Hal was leaving shit. Earth. He's like, it's been a kick. You know, I'd love to stick around a little while, mm-hmm. but I got to go. And you were, but I this is Frank Miller, right? So he's yeah. got that kind of take <laughs> on, on yeah, things, that's true. you know? Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it's if it, is it Batman Strikes Again? Hmm. Is it the second the sequel you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah. how. I mean, I think I said I think it's Ali, but right. you know what? I haven't read it in fucking years. I don't even yeah. own it. But the way that it was I'm done sorry, here was much more interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, but Agreed. let's 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 hold off and try and look it up. Does anybody know? Listening, if it was hell, have <laughs> <laughs> your copies of Dark Knight Strikes Again. And yeah, fact check I just remember. Us. I honestly, all I do is remember. I just remember Ollie being a, a very large part of that book, especially the third act. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't remember Hal in it. But whatever. He was only in it briefly. Speak, speak. Yeah, he had gone off. Yeah, Hal Jordan was only in it for a couple. Panels. Yeah, he had gone off to like do um, some Green Lantern, and like transcendent Green Lantern thing. And then he yeah, got I, a family. I'm looking. I don't even. Thing. I don't even own it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, I don't think I. I used to, and I think I sold it. You have it in the shop um, in the Dark Knight Absolute. Yeah. <laughs> like meh. Yeah. So the art, the art in this book, <laughs> unlike the book we're discussing, this book, oh, the Dark Knight, uh, the Night, yeah. is great. Yeah, it's really Carmine good. De Giudomenico has been getting better for. 10, 15 years, and is is it's just really, really good. Well, stuff. speaking of speaking of Joshua Williams, the Flash, that's the first place that I saw his art. Mm. Uh, he was the that regular was artist good on book the book. Too. Yes, but it took like three or four issues for me to get like into his style, and I, maybe it was the costume design with all the speed lines that didn't make no, sense. I don't like those lines, but his his anatomy is it's there's it's very European. Uh, there's kind of like a, almost a, a rubbery quality to it. And as soon as you just like lean into it and it's like, um, you know, hearing music, you it's, let's say you're listening to jazz and you don't really like jazz, but something clicks and you're like, Oh, I get it now. Like it took a couple issues for his yeah. style for me. And now I just love it. And I, I, I like it more on this book than I did on the flash. Honestly, it fits this. It definitely style fits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The type yeah. of story European, for instance, he's, yeah. he's in Europe at the moment, but, uh, I like the like kind of thin lined aspect of it. It's very classic mm-hmm. comic book, but 
in a in a modern sort of way, you know. Uh, the, yeah. the first place I took note of this guy was he was drawing some Hellblazer. Oh Perfect my. for Hellblazer. Hmm. Yeah. This yeah. was like 15 years ago. I could see his his scruffiness uh, being applied to John Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. But this book is way better than I had anticipated it being. So that's delightful. Yeah. This. Uh, to, to Brian's point, this like to put a cap on it. This actually will be a wonderful collection to give people that are like, "What's a where to st- where to start Batman?" or yeah. "What's a good just one Batman story?" Like, yeah. I'd give them I'd give them this, you know, hoping that it ends well. And Batman Universe, and it's just like mm. this Two character exists on both. Yeah, 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 this character exists on both yeah. ends of the spectrum. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, let's move on to G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures from IDW. And by Eric Burnham and Dan Schoening. G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Well... You know the story. But now, Cobra might have found their most versatile weapon yet. Can even G.I. Joe stop the Aladdin initiative? Find out in this special Saturday morning send-up based on the classic 1980s cartoon. Um, I, I, okay, so, uh, G.I. Joe comic books mixed with some Spider-Man were the first comic books that got me into collecting comic books. Got me into the whole the whole gig. And um, there was a heyday back in the 80s by Larry Hama, and I'm not sure that it ever really made it back to that heyday of comic bookdom. Uh, I know there's been some really bright spots here and there. Back There was like one, it was a really good Cobra miniseries about 10 years ago. There was a really good G.I. Joe run like two years ago, I think, Noel said. We reviewed an issue for the show uh, uh, the, it, that we yeah. all liked. Yeah. Yeah, like two years ago, and then about ten years ago, the IDW, the start of the IDW stuff was really, really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw that in the group chat, you guys were talking about how this was really rough. And it absolutely is. Yes. However, <laughs> I'm going to steal a null, a nullism, and that is a, what is it? It's so, not a bug, it's, it's a feature. It's a feature, not a bug, yeah. 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 This not, I, I, I went into it going, ah, oh, fuck, I'll just, all right, I'll just read it. And because I love the cartoon so much, this and Transformers growing up, and I would just watch it anytime it was on. And I had the VHS collections. It was never like the whole series, but it was like a couple of episodes. And I would watch those again and again. And the movie, the great 80s movie animated film was so good Mm -hmm. that as I was reading this, I could hear all of the voices as they were in the cartoon. The, The artist... Shoning. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Shaning? Shoning? I would think Shoning. Absolutely. It's like he was tracing the animated series off of his television. It is spot on perfect the way that they... I can't believe it. He really nailed it. Um, And it's so dumb. It's just... And the fact that um, Roadblock is still in there um, rhyming for no reason... uh, Boy, I just I love even, this. Who rhymes? Uh, yeah, I didn't even catch that. So, my two things. I, 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 same with Transformers. I have no real fond memories of the show. Just, 
the movies that I watched ad nauseum, but I never watched the episodes. But I loved the toys. So yeah. it being a pastiche explicitly of the episodic television show, it was just like, I get that this is a reference, yeah. but I don't get this reference. But tonally in this cart- in this comic, as soon as Cobra Commander broke the vase and there was yeah. a lamp inside, I'm like, oh, fuck you, cartoon. It's a goddamn yeah. a lat- like it's actually a genie in a bottle. Fuck this. Let's do it. So yeah. this, this was this was the one part where I was like, did the show ever do stuff like this? Did the show have things like mystical, like like genies and lamps? Was that know. a thing that actually happened in the cartoon? I I remembered it being more grounded than this. Like obviously like super technology, like weather controlling machines and shit like that. But I don't remember there being things like well, I mean, an there actual was, mythical. There was like body horror style things, you know, like what a dude would turn into an actual monster or snake, like super science shit, yeah. like you said, but actual, like was once supernatural. <laughs> I was once a man. I got to watch that now. Uh, it's but, so good. <laughs> but yeah, um, this Sorry. was, this was who's uh, the demographic for this comic book is it's so, me. is so razor thin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am I am shocked that it got made and that it got made well. Right. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice that you think I'm razor thin. That's, that's nice. I have a lot of body issues, so that's nice for you to say. You're welcome. No, I mean you're um, the only you're the only member of the demographic. Right. I am the demographic. It's me, and I'm razor thin. Yeah. Um, oh, and so uh, Roadblock. If you if you look here, if you can fly, get your butts in the sky. Like he would always, uh. for some reason. He, all of his one-liners would be in rhyme. And these people are so fucking stupid, the only wish they can think of is a kaiju-sized <laughs> bat. Fuck you. That's so stupid. Yeah. I had a big problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> there was... So he... He's like, I want ultimate power. I'm sorry, I can't give you ultimate power. All right, a large robot. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> and, and then his second wish... Oh, no, I guess they don't do the second <laughs> wish, but he's... He's Almost. seriously contemplating additional large robots. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the, something that, to me that was like funny. To me yeah. that was like purposely humorous. Where the genie shows up and he's like, "Oh, it didn't work. Don't you wish you had more of that?" Sure. He's like, "Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not gonna wish for that." I don't have high hopes for his second two wishes, though. You know, like think a little yeah, right. bit about what's between <laughs> a a, a uh, giant robot and ultimate power. Like, they must have movies in this universe. Be like, give me these seven powers myself. I would like to be invulnerable. Mm. You know, that sort of thing. So I never watched G.I. Joe. And as I say, almost every time G.I. Joe comes up, I never watched it. They don't have any powers. They're army guys. They use guns. There was, like, nothing about that. I was like, ah, I don't want anything to do with it. And um, so I didn't really have any association with this comic other than that. (laughs) And... Yeah, I read it. I was annoyed at Cobra Commander for being a moron. <laughs> and and then also they're like He's always been I, a, a feature, not a bug. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the Saturday morning adventures banner they're hoping to apply to other, you know, like a Transformers, a Thundercats, it's short issue, you know, that kind of thing. But also the robot is taken out. The one guy's just like, Hey, you gotta hit it in the right place. I know exactly where that is. It's the back of the knee. <laughs> he takes it out. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's just an enlarged version of what they've already fought before, so they know where the weak yes, points are. That's the Duh. weak point. Like, they... I mean, yeah. I don't know, but, man. You know what? I yeah. yeah, exactly. I I will not recommend this book unless you're JD, but I will remind read everyone, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, well, I guess I won't recommend this book. <laughs> I will re- I will recommend everyone give the previous series a shot. It's only 12 mm. issues long. It's called G.I. Joe World on Fire, and it was awesome. Mm. Just super awesome. It's all... Um, it's essentially if Cobra had already won and these are all like, you know, insurgents trying to wage a, yeah, that was the one that more, we, a more modern rebellion. war. We yeah. reviewed one of those, right? That was that one. Yeah. Yeah. I it like was, that. First issue, yeah. It yeah. was such a good yeah. tight series and it was, it was just really, really good. It wasn't this. <laughs> um, also we, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up at the, end, at of the end of the episodes, yes. there were the. Um, PSAs aimed at children and this actually has a PSA at the end of this episode um, where this kid is reading the G.I. Joe comic that we have in our hands and he goes what? This isn't what I wanted to happen the people who made this are stupid and I'm going to tell everyone how stupid they are and then um, Mainframe I think is the the guy turns off his computer and he's like oh and he kind of gives them the spiel about like, hey, maybe take a breath before being a dipshit on the internet. Don't be a so, troll. Um, I, like, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, don't yeah. be a troll, you little dick. This is my uh, favorite So I really part. appreciated that. Yeah. This is my favorite yeah. part it's of the whole book. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't know about it, I, I, I can't imagine there's many people out there who don't know about it. But again, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15, somebody had gone through and edited and over re- redubbed the voices on those old G.I. Joe um, PSAs. Um, and they are hilarious. Um, you know, pork chop sandwiches. Anybody who knows what pork chop sandwiches is, that's what this comes from. That was, um, so, uh, yeah. anyway. evidently, that was not just anybody. It was the guy who later did um, all of the early Adult Swim stuff, like C-Lab 2021 and those oh, those no redubbings. So I have heard. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, right? I have never seen um, them, but uh, I think I ought to. They are... I'm not sure if they're still hilarious, <laughs> right. but I remember losing my shit yeah. when I first came across them on the internet way back, and I, like, sent them to all my friends, and we would, we would quote them all the time. Hmm. Um... Let's see. Hal says they have the original episodes on YouTube. The Stormtroopers from Star Wars were better shots. LOL. It's true. Yeah. Uh, dang near, dang near twenty years ago, says Kevin. What was twenty years ago? Not the redubs, right? I think it probably was. But the redubs. 20- Since Adult Swim came out shortly oh, no. after that. Yeah, a long time ago, dude. What? Yeah. Oh, Kevin, why would you do that to me? Why would you, you need throw to remember in my face? You need to know how old. Oh. How old I am? <laughs> Thanks. Isn't your birthday like uh, next week? It is hey. the twenty seventh. Yes. Hey. Um, Iron Fist number one from Marvel Comics by Alyssa Wong, um, writer of Dr. Afra from Star Wars. And I don't know how to say this last name. Michael YG. Anyone have any idea how to pronounce YG as a last name? They're both caps, too. So it might be an, uh, an acronym or a shortening. It's not YG, oh, okay. it's capital Y, capital G. That's, hmm. that's how he's credited. So. Okay. 
Well, we'll just call him Mikey. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who is the new Iron Fist? After giving up his power to save the world, Danny Rand believes he's seen the last of the Iron Fist. But when demons begin to attack cities around the world, a mysterious newcomer in a familiar mask appears, hands blazing with the chi of Shu Lao. Shu Lao. Shu Lao. The Undying. Who is. Okay. Shallow. Who watched. Say it again. Shallow. Shallow. Okay, yeah. great. The Chi of Shallow, the Undying. Who is this new Iron Fist? And does his power really come from the dragon of Conlon? Or from something far more sinister? Well, the answer is the second thing. Could be both. Is it? I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Guess we'll find <laughs> out. Oh, I, so you didn't read it? Because <laughs> they kind of say it. Um, <laughs> Um, I did read it And I thought it was delightful Mm. I really wish That Jimmy Chung Had done the interior artwork as well Mm. The interior artwork is Fine That's not I I contend that's almost not fair We talked about this in the store Every time Jimmy Chung does a cover Yes (laughs) I wish he did the interior that's like yeah. that's just like starting at a million and you actually are only given a hundred grand. Like it's still a hundred grand. It's not bad. This doesn't <clears throat> feel like top tier Marvel talent. Mm-hmm. This feels like uh, an indie superhero book more than a Marvel Iron Fist comic book. Is Iron Fist a top tier book? <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm sorry. I guess I mean. Marvel being a uh, one I got of the you. top two, like all their books should be at a certain level. Yes, I, I, I yeah, can yeah. see what you, I can see what you mean, like in the physicality. But I really liked um, this artist's uh, facial acting. Yeah, like okay. yeah. <clears throat> especially in the conversations towards the end, like all of the characters looked different, and that you could like just see expressions very well. But yeah, in in regards to the action and just the physicality, it is a little rubbery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like other this, than that, I like uh, this a lot. Yeah, this page looks good, except for that one, two, three, the fourth panel. That face on that fourth panel is a little dopey. Um, I love the the costume. The way the yeah, costume cool. looks here on this bottom panel looks cool as hell. And I love that the the iron the dragon has been slightly askew. It's like in a different wing shape than it usually is. Oh, yeah. Like it's in a different part of flight. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah, cool ass outfit. And uh, th- I so this character was part of. About two years ago, I guess they introduced a bunch of new characters in Marvel, like Swordmaster and Aerie, or yeah, I don't remember their names. A- it's uh, Arrow. Arrow, I think A E R O Swordmaster. It was the new, it was the Agents of Atlas. It was um, that's what it was. Yeah, it was like a new Agents of Atlas. Yes. They had a miniseries during King and Black, but I think it was also oh, it was also Empire. They showed up in uh, the Black Knight book that we read. Um, yeah, but that was yeah. post their introduction. Oh, so yeah, like yeah. that was the but that was the King in Black one. But I think they had their first miniseries during Empire mm. time era. But yeah, this is former former Swordmaster. Yeah. Um, this is brutal. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure how his powers work, but he wound up. You know, his his sword was shattered. He fell off a cliff. The Sholau dragon sort of swirled around him he was unconscious he woke up and he had shards of 
glass in his forearms. Shards of his sword. Uh, which looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I actually read the description of this twice because as, as cool of a origin as I think it is, it's very, very, it's delivered very clunkily. Um, yeah. As like, I like, I needed a flow chart to get to what point is what. So like the bad thing blew up his impenetrable or unbreakable sword that fused itself to him painfully. And that is what drew the, at the time, dormant shallow mm-hmm. energy to him. So he's the, he has the, the power of the iron fist, but he is not technically the rightful iron fist because it's actually just instinctually oh. protecting him from whatever else is going on with his hands. So it's oh. almost competing energies within him. Okay. That's why I was saying I, I wasn't hundred percent sure what, how his power works. Yeah. So he didn't do the rightful come Lun thing where he goes and actually yeah. captures the heart of the dragon and yada, yada. The dragon itself was just awoken by whatever happened to him and was drawn to him. Interesting. Which I think is cool. Like they're not just retelling the same origin or usurping the same mythology. They're just kind of mixing things. And I think that's pretty fun. And I think it's cool that they've, they're using a character that pre-exists. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That maybe isn't, wasn't getting the spotlight. So they were like, Oh, we're not really doing anything with him. It didn't really take off, but we can use him here. I think that's pretty cool. What'd you think, Brian? And, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have high expectations. I would say it was about the middle of my expectation out of the six books that we read this week. I was like, all right, it's Marvel, classic Marvel, but I've never really been that into Iron Fist. But let's see what's going on. And um, yeah. I would say it slightly exceeded those expectations. Uh, oh. Yeah, he, he was the new Iron Fist was more interesting. I was admittedly I, at the beginning. I was like, ugh. The different Iron Fist, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was cool. He was interesting, and I'm curious to see what the deal is with this sword. If I wonder, like, will he reforge the sword and still be the Sword Master, or switch entirely to Iron Fist, or he'll be both things, or who knows? Um, I, it's it's intriguing enough, though, right? And I yeah. I love the f- I also genuinely enjoy the fact that Danny Rand is still a part of the picture. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Like he's still, um, got a lot to say and do about the Kunlun stuff. And mm-hmm. he's not, uh, he's not without his resources. Even, you know, he knows a lot of martial arts and that kind of thing. Remind me, you guys didn't finish the, the yeah. mini series that preceded this, right? Like how yeah. Danny Rand essentially gave up his, he gave up the, the dragon to save the world. Etc. Etc. That was the one with the cool art style that we read the first issue or two. Of. Yeah, it was uh, David Wachter. Uh, it was Larry Hama and David Wachter. Mm. Really, really good. It's in the nice. shop. Nice. You guys, pick it up. Nice. Uh, the shop. Uh, JD yeah, Zero. Com- JD Instructors Hero Complex at forty three twenty seven Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. I noticed the opposite has happened uh, with Shang Chi. In the comics, I believe he has gotten ten rings that are like a magical thing has he they i think they've so they've updated him to match the movie yeah yeah um I, I which is much cooler in my opinion uh i'm glad they did it in the movie and i'm happy that they're doing it in the comic um but i didn't read it i just read you know i'd call it like a headline or something 
this final page of this is interesting. There's this demon inhabiting the the dad of this family. Or well, was the dad news. the demon all along? I don't know. It's it's cool though, and I, I actually like the design of that nasty looking thing. I, there was there was this was like um this was like a solid B. Like yeah. good enough good enough to give it a second and third issue. And the fact that to like when I see one oh five or that it's a miniseries, I'm much more inclined to be more patient with it. Yeah. Then if it's yeah. going to be like, here's an ongoing and it takes like three issues to just really find its footing. It's just, it ticks me off. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about this series. Now this is something interesting. The, there is a synopsis in the back, which I didn't realize of who, um, what's his name? Lin Lee. Swordmaster. The swordmaster, yeah. wielder of the mighty sword of Fushi until it shattered. There's like a, Kind of a background on where he was coming from early in the story, which yeah. is an odd choice to put it at the back. Well, uh, if they put they it in the front, wanna, you know, right? They didn't want to give away who he was. Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel like it was much of a big reveal either. You know, it was it was like a half and half. Like yeah. so, it's like they weren't they were not talking about who it was, uh, and then it was just like, a, oh yeah, it's this guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I noticed Danny Rand still has his costume and. I guess tattoo. He's not going to get rid of the tattoo just because. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't know how that works. Um, because when he gave up the power, the tattoo goes to. Oh, that was part of the power. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh oh. Or it's just a mark of the power because at one point Okoye has the iron fist and she gets a cool like tat on her head. Oh. Does she still have it? Maybe he misses it, so he just. She uses doesn't still have it. That's what's making me think. I yeah. Jay, why would he? He would just go get a tattoo. Every day he sharpies it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a decal. Um, it takes like two days. <laughs> uh, all right. What's up? Oh, next up is the promo block. Q Brian. Oh, hey, JD, I heard about this thing called Patreon.com. And, uh-huh. and from what I have gathered... You can give yes. money if you uh, have money and are so inclined to things that you like. And if you like yes. this show, um, what I'm thinking is people could go to patreon.com backslash Johnny Destructo and donate uh-huh. some of that money. Um, you know, and if they don't have money, why not just like and subscribe and tell people about it that you interact with on the Oops. street or. Wrong button. Doesn't have to be the street. Wherever it's appropriate to mention it, <laughs> you know, just do it. And yeah, uh, that's, that's what I've heard and thought about what I've heard. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I think that that was uh, you're right on. point. Cool. That's amazing. That's cool. Um, I will repeat all the things you just said because you did a bang up job. You can also leave us nice, re- nice reviews on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating on iTunes. That'd be, that would help us out as well. That's even more helpful and, than uh, a star's rating, right? If somebody just writes a little something. That's true, yeah. Just a little something. Um, yeah, just write the words, a little something. A little something. something that would give us a five-star review. That would be pretty cool. I was <laughs> waiting for that, but I wasn't sure which one of you was going to take the bait. Well, it could have been either one. Let's see how many a little um, somethings we can, we can net. Yeah, we can procure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the lion and the – wait, we're not doing that one. Never mind. Oh, we we're are doing, doing that thing. one. The Come lion on and the eagle, number one, from Aftershock Comics – Written by Garth Ennis with art by P.J. Holden. 1944 
Imperial Japan still commands most of Asia. Determined to regain their hold on Burma, the British send a special forces unit, the Chindits, deep behind Japanese lines. Their mission is to attack the enemy wherever they find him. What awaits them is a nightmare equal to anything the Second World War can deliver. Colonel Keith Crosby and Dr. Alastair Whittemore have old scores to settle, being veterans of the long retreat through Burma two years before. But neither the jungle nor the foe have gotten any less savage. And when the shooting starts and the Japanese descend on the smaller British force in their midst, every man will be tested to his limit. Um, so it's another war comic from Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis is known for two things. Um, gross-out edgelord humor and serious-as-hell war stories. And The Punisher, um, which is right in the middle of both of them. It does both of those. Yeah, there are, there are a version of The Punisher for each of those. Yeah. Um... But he's he's really solid. I've, I've read a lot of his war stories over the years, and uh, he's really he's do, usually does a bang up job. Uh, I did not get a chance to read this all the way through. What I can say is that Tim Bradstreet did the cover, and Tim Bradstreet traces photographs. <laughs> yeah, and um, sometimes you can find a celebrity. And right here we have Devin Sawa from Final Destination. And recently, the Chucky TV show. Uh, That's him right in the middle there. Mm -hmm. I don't know who these other actors or or models are, but uh, he clearly had people model for him, Uh, and then he traces Did he have people model for him, or did he just take references? So he does both. Sometimes he has models actually come in, and they dress up in full costume, and he takes photographs, and then he draws over those photographs. Um... Or sometimes he composites and then draws over those. Hmm. Anyway. Does he do interiors? Um, I remember years ago. Um, no, he, no. He usually only... He had done, he's done interiors back in the early aughts. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, mostly he just does these uh, covers. Hmm. And I do remember he had done a cover for some Vampire the Masquerade role-playing book. And he literally had traced over Dave Grohl. So every time I would walk past that that cover, I was like, oh, there's Dave Grohl. Um, but uh, it's always kind of fun to play spot the spot the celebrity in his drawings. I uh, what did what did you think? No, uh, no, I, I enjoy Garth Ennis war stories, um, but I'm hard pressed to um, often recommend them to people because they are. Uh, I think the word you had used a little like in the group thread. Brian is plotting. plotting. They're very, they're very um, setting. They're very mise en scene. Like he spends forever, often, kind of like just getting in the vernacular and the setting and the details, and he doesn't explain anything to you. Like um, it's difficult in <coughs> issues. Usually, I think I've only ever read one or two of them, as many series and issues, and then just kind of switch to trade or hardcover because it's not something that I could like revisit constantly every month, but they always feel a little like homework that I enjoyed doing by the time it was over. Does that make sense? Like these aren't Mm -hmm. fun reads, but they always feel like fulfilling reads. So it just brings me back to, I'm not exactly like, I love these books that they're still like, I don't know who's buying these and who's reading these 
uh, but the fact that they're still allowing Garth Ennis to just like carte blanche do whatever kind of war story he wants from whatever perspective he wants is wild like he's done them yeah. from the perspective of soldiers in the crusades from the perspective of Nazi air fighters like he's done every single style of war story and no one has batted an eye and it's just incredibly fascinating and I if anything even whether I liked this issue or not like I just love the fact that he's still making these and I want him to just mm-hmm. do it in perpetuity has he done any like like Bronze Age stuff you know like ancient warfare stuff yeah there was one uh, Creasy I think it was called oh I think um, I remember seeing that coming out uh, we'll, we'll look it up afterwards or if anybody in the chat knows but yes he's done some like Middle Ages stuff and yeah it's it's oh, and it's always fascinating even when it's like not an enjoyable read it's just always just like fuck I didn't know that because he is meticulous with details and accuracy hmm. So I never really question like when they will do something seemingly like what silly or why would they tie their shoes like that? I never really question it because it's like I know that Garth Ennis has actually looked up exactly how they hmm. would wear their uniform, you know, like hmm. shit like that. Yeah, yeah. very cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I do find it a little difficult to get into uh, in the first part of the stories because I'm trying to figure out the vernacular and exactly the setting and what exactly is happening and um but yeah like you said once once you're done you're like ah that was that was a good meal right um yeah so i am mostly familiar with garth Ennis's other style of story that is the you know like over the top gross out action violence kind of stuff and so i was like oh great <laughs> a garth Ennis story about war uh but i read it anyway um, but, <laughs> and before we get into that, Mars Comics says of the cover, I believe, and the way that he does his covers, is that cheating? It feels like it's cheating, but it is beautiful. My feeling about that is, like, it does feel like cheating, right? It feels like he is doing something, he's getting away with something, but he's upfront about it. He says that's what he's doing, that's what he's doing. It's a, a creation of art. So there you go. That's all right. Um, but that's what it is, you know, and if you want to look a little askance that he doesn't change the faces a little bit, then that's a prerogative as well. Um, um, as an artist myself growing up and seeing, like, I remember seeing his first stuff and being like, you're allowed to just do that. You can do anything. You can just, (laughs) you can just trace a photograph and then that'll be the cover of a comic book. You can just do that's allowed. (laughs) Um, but um, I've come a long way mm. in that. Um, and I, I try not to judge other people's artistic integrity unless they're straight up stealing something. Mm. Um, or like, you know, Rob Liefeld would literally just trace someone else's artwork. I think taking a photograph and tracing that photograph is one thing. And that's fine because you're still in possession of all those things. Mm. Um, as part of your process if you're like Rob Liefeld and you take a drawing of the shield helicarrier and then you just trace that panel again that an artist has already drawn yeah maybe not I mean he also doesn't say that he does that and that's a big part of it too uh like the guy that does I would imagine you'll remember his name the very famous pop art guy that just Stole and slightly changed a bunch of the scenes. Andy Warhol. No, no, but same era. Al Lichtenstein. Mm. Lichtenstein, yeah. yes. Who it's like everyone celebrated him, 
and didn't pay any attention at all to the to the art that he lifted and presenting in a museum is yes that's a very cool artistic thing but no credit was given to the person who did yeah. essentially the original panel so what what for anyone who doesn't know who Roy Lichtenstein is um, what he did was he would take a panel of, let's say, a romance comic, one panel that was drawn by another artist, a romance comic book artist, and he would enlarge the panel, recreate it much, much bigger, pretty accurately, and then he's, he's the guy who would get rich off of it, and he wouldn't give any credit to the person whose artwork that he just stole. And the renown, like, you know, there's too. The, there's always, like, a woman on a telephone crying... Yeah. Um, there's a woman who's about to be swept under by waves. Um, and there's always like a thought bubble happening. Um, those are Roy Lichtenstein prints. And Go ahead, Brian. to be charitable also, what he was doing was saying this, this, um, much more transient kind of creation, this different kind of art can also be real art. And he was right about that. Um, that does not excuse not also saying I copied this mostly from this other guy and like he's adding something to it, but not enough to claim that he is the artist. I am not in regards to comics. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not really a big, I don't really care as much for a cover. Mm. Like there's cosplayers on covers all the time. Mm. It's not really a big deal, but mm. I do not, care for it in comics um like in interiors like if uh if i can if i'm ripped out of a comic thinking like oh that's fucking tommy lee jones yeah yeah because it's explicitly tommy lee jones yeah i absolutely hate that um diodato does it all the time and i can't stand it um he recently had a um awa comic come out i think like last month and i was gonna talk like it was I, i put it up for us to like review it um the fourth man and then I read it and I, I screenshot every single actor that was in the fucking book to you guys. And I was like, I, well, I, we can't talk about this because it was like seven different actors, some of them dead, that were just in the book. And I was like, I, this, this is all incredibly distracting, just incredibly distracting. And, so you know, I, there's Greg Land where like every woman is, um, oh, what is the name of that model that he uses? He used a porn star for, for a while, woman. right? Yeah, but there's there's a Claudia Schiffer. Yeah. He uses Claudia Schiffer quite a bit, um, and he'll just trace Claudia Schiffer. Um, anyway, this book, the the interior artist doesn't do any of no, that. No, no. Uh, the interior artist for the, for Lion and the Eagle is really nice. It's got a little bit of Steve Dillon, um, but like a little bit more expressive, a little bit more cartoony. Um, it does. It it looks like a lot of uh, Garth Ennis. A lot of what like artist that Garth Ennis usually works with this mm-hmm. fits that mold uh, it's very well done very nice looking book um, I wish I'd had time to finish reading all of it the uh, um, the conversations that the presumably the main character has are interesting too the ones that he has with his best yeah. friend and the ones that he has with the uh, Chinese army um, person I don't know what his role there oh, is also we don't know what the story is about yet no. Like this whole first issue has been a series of conversations, not linearly told, um, just to kind of yeah. like give you an idea of their day to day. Like there's no central 
I guess maybe transporting the donkeys right now is the central plot thread because that's real time right now. Like that's yeah. present day. But yeah, it, it's 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 very much a it's it's a little like Verite style. There's no real plot yet. It's just learning yeah. these people. And they're they're like interesting. They talks yeah. a little bit about how they're sort of vulnerable and they would be vulnerable if the positions were reversed between them and the Japanese army, but they're not because this other thing is in play. So maybe that other thing won't be in play for that long or who knows. Yeah. Uh, Lion and Eagle is a reference to their unit is uh, the Chindit, I believe, which is itself a, a mispronunciation of the, of the name of this mythological creature, which is sometimes a lion and the eagle. But the guy brings up that it's not always that. Sometimes it's half other things other than lion or eagle, um, which could be an interesting metaphor, depending on what he does with it over the course of the story. Um, I wouldn't say that I was that, you know, I got through it, but um, it was well told. You know, it was uh, a well done version of the thing that he was going for, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was good. Uh, all right, what is up next? It's Rain, number two from Image Comics by Joe Hill and David M. Boer, with art by Zoe Thorogood. As tragedy strikes around her, Honeysuckle does the only thing she knows to do. She devises a plan to walk to Denver to make sure her loved ones are okay. Though the deadly rain could fall at any moment, she quickly learns there are things just as dangerous as the corrupt- corrupted weather. Other people. So... Issue, so this is basically a adaptation, a comic book adaptation of a short story by Joe Hill, where um, in Boulder, Colorado, one day in the middle of the day, the sky opens up and a storm hits uh, hits the town. Except uh, instead of rain, it is shards of crystal. Fulgurite. They mentioned. I'm not 100 percent uh, sure. In the in the what story. is that? Fulgurite is. What happens when a lightning bolt or electricity runs through like sand or something like that? And it creates this little um, like kind of a hollow tube. So the lightning runs through that and around with a path of the lightning forms this silicate. um, Yeah, they they gave it they gave it squishy science, which I appreciated. No, that's real. That's a real thing. No, no, no. Yes, but it happening in this way in oh, the yeah, yeah, clouds no, and turning green. That's squishy <laughs> yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, basically, all of these shards fall from the sky and murder anyone who is not indoors, um, with millions of little pokes. Um, really, really good short story. I really like the first issue. What did you think, Brian? Um. I thought once the idea was introduced in the first issue, which I didn't really get too into anyway, um, the art continues to be great. Um, This one was also somewhat boring. There was a lot of talk about what she was about to do, and the idea had already been mentioned, so that's not coming up. You know, you don't get that excitement of figuring out what happened. Um, It... almost rivals Cobra Commander levels of stupidity, the plan that she has to to walk to Denver in a time where it could rain down needles at any time, right? Um, Now, she, apparently there is some warning that this is about to happen, 
but you know, I don't know how much. One can hardly imagine that the entirety of the road from wherever she is to Denver has a place with a roof that she can duck into at a moment's notice. Um, and it's to find this man that she cares about a lot, the father of her of her uh, deceased lover, girlfriend. Um, and that's certainly a noble thing to do, but like she tried to call him. He doesn't usually answer the phone, so she decides to walk to Denver. <laughs> Um, running into the cult people That's interesting Maybe something will happen with that The guy predicted it um, I will only find out If we read more for the show <laughs> Fair yeah. enough no. uh, I will I, I, So I enjoyed this more than Brian did hmm. uh, But I will articulate something That he talked about a little bit The idea of the way that this book is paced It's it lacks a kind of reactive or proactive quality. It's more uh, contemplative when it doesn't feel like it should be, almost like a prose book. There is a lot of discussion about a lot of intention, including internal dialogue. And I feel like you could eliminate maybe 40% of that and make it a more active paced book, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably like the biggest hiccup because I love the characters. The scenario is 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 just fucking harrowing and effective. Um, I like the conflict, even though it's kind of desperate and stupid for her to travel to just go see if maybe uh, Zoe's dad is alive. Zoe, right? No. Mm, What's her girlfriend's name? To see if her dad's still alive because he's not picking up his phone. Um that does feel a little ill-advised <laughs> yeah. within the first 24 hours. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, like, it rains I, a few minutes after she leaves. Yeah, I'm like, eh, yeah, maybe don't. Yeah. Um, and I would have forgiven it if it felt more impulsive. Mm. But because we had almost 10 pages yeah. of explaining and thought and internal dialogue about the decision it doesn't feel impulsive it just feels stupid so i I, i'm just personally having trouble a little trouble with like the the pacing of or the way the book's kind of laid out like if it's an adaptation of a short story make it a little bit more sure propulsive uh like yeah speedy quick you know in real time not i'm slowly experiencing what you mentioned all is interesting that it's a very contemplative feel and i think that and the art has a an ethereal kind of contemplative quality, right? Those are the things that I am drawn to about this book. I want it to be about something else, <laughs> you know? Like, I want this style of both art and, like, narrative. I'm just, like, and I mentioned this in the first one, too. Like, I kind of want it to just have, be a totally different story, but I like the way that they are delivering it, yeah. you know? Imagine, imagine, and I, this is really, really bad commentary when you, like, I would do it this way. But imagine if the whole opening scene I thought was wild and really good. Uh, Counting the needles that she's pulling out of her Mm. dead girlfriend. Mm. That is such a great scene to set up. Imagine if we completely cut out the whole next scene and just go straight into just explaining really quickly while she's on the road that I couldn't get a hold of and I needed to do Mm. this and blah, blah, blah. Like just to move move the story forward as opposed to keep sliding feet you know like yeah. just step 
Yeah. I, I that's what I yeah. hope for it. Uh, the thing that bothers me a little bit is looking at this. So shards have sprung out of the sky and she leaves with a button down shirt. Yes. A tank top yeah. um, off of her shoulder. Oh, it's a flannel. She's got a flannel, oh. a tank top and a backpack. Nowhere do I see any sort of padding, right. any sort of protection right. in case the sky does open up. Yeah, I'd grab a like, football helmet, some right. fucking shit, like yeah. even just to hang out with and like flack it on really quick. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> no. So this yeah. kid I mean, is maybe a... there was nowhere for her to get. <coughs> Excuse me. Not, but she could at least be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could get some pads. I yeah. wish I could get some covering something, yeah. you know? This kid is very Even well realized. Even if she was just walking around with, like, what's that? Uh, speaking of things to cover, this kid is very well realized. Like, the moment with the with the umbrella, and then you see him again at the end. Um, you know, along those lines. Uh, why wouldn't you, uh, why, like, even taking a frying pan. Right. Yeah. Right. Just to do this yeah. shit. Right. Is, like. Yeah. I, yeah. Something. It's, it's. Tie some, duct tape some stuff to <laughs> you. You know. It's yeah. just, it feels, um. Yeah. They're foc- it feels like they're f- no I, that's not even it like I was going to say it feels like they're focusing on the wrong thing I think that they are focusing on the right thing which is the character's experience and, and mm. struggles but they're not the lack of attention to really anything else causes nothing but me to ask questions yeah mm-hmm. yeah anyway it's a shame. It's a shame too that the thing on the you cover know, that goes through the the needle right the the whatever they call it, um, looks really cool, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't see it in the book. Like, that's not an, a part of the imagery of the book. You see that's little, we, tiny versions of it. It's what we call a metaphor, Brian. No, I know, but it's a really... I'd like to see it's, that more I, of that in this art, you do know? These, do these covers... I, it's Every cover has that kind of going through the character that it's focused on. Do these covers ha- connect? Because that would be cool. Oh, they might, yeah. Uh, but I didn't mean so much going through the cover. Just the needle itself is, you know, it, it looks cool. And that kind of, like, mystical but realistic thing um, isn't really presented, unfortunately, because the object itself is too small to show that detail most of the time. Mm. And there's no other reason to have something that looks like that in the story so far. Yeah. It's cool, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Who does this? Do they do uh, anything else? Who does the art on this? Zoe Thorogood. I don't know. Zoe Thorogood. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. Right. Um, well, uh, let's see. Ah, last book of the week, Thor number 22 from Marvel Comics by Donny Cates and Nick Klein. To stop the deadly path of the Mjolnir-wielding God of Hammers, all of the Marvel Universe must come together and be... Basically useless. The final battle is here. But will Thor's allies survive the hammer's blows? Probably. Thor turns into an expected source to help ensure victory. Hmm. Is it unexpected? And it, I, I thought is it was... Is his dad unexpected? I thought it was pretty... Oh, unexpected. I so thought you said expected. Oh, unexpected yeah. no, source. Unexpected. There it is. Have you guys ever heard the thing where there's like a villain... When they fight a team like the Avengers, they can take on the whole team, but later on or whatever, they'll turn good and join the team, and then 
they're basically at the same power level. You know, that kind of like trope within within comics or just because the villain's got to be somebody that the whole team can take on. Um, so they're not as powerful when they're on the team. I feel like this is a very similar thing <clears throat> that when another group of heroes sometimes is in the main hero's book, they will all get taken out very easily. And then it's got to be the, the titular hero that really has a lot of stuff to do when there are other main characters like this, like Spider-Man and Iron Man and that kind of thing. I think I, I felt I, similarly. I don't disagree with either of you guys, but I think that that's just a basic problem with Thor's book. Always. Mm. He is God level. Sure. So in order to articulate that, usually it's taking another power set that you're familiar with and nerfing it in mm. order to illustrate how strong X, Y, and Z is instead of, you know, mm. like this Thor's book always has that kind of problem or benefit. If you care, of escalation and this issue is absolutely a, an instance of that because you essentially have like dragon ball z style a new fucking form of thor at the end of it oh yeah yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's i mean donny kate's doing the same damn thing he does everywhere else he just keeps escalating it and making it bigger and bigger but what i do appreciate about it is that i mean i still fall for the the character beats. So I still fall mm-hmm. for uh, the stuff with Odin. I still fall for, you know, his mom making a, just having one knowing look like there's only way you could have powered up shit. Like yeah. I fall for those little pieces and that's actually what makes this work for me. Also too, you had showed it the splash page before where it's just like fractured and all the characters. If you can go back to that <clears throat> visual medium, What are you looking for? This. That on the bottom right. Yeah. Throg and uh, Lockjaw. The dog and Lockjaw. Yeah. That and and Lockheed behind them. That right there is the whole yeah. reason this book is an A plus. Just <laughs> just right there. Just take. I want that. I want that yeah. panel on like on my wall. <laughs> that that could exist um. in the overly dramatic fun bullshit of this just makes me happy yeah uh to go back to what brian said uh i felt that so basically thor because his mother is not um freya freya it's gaia and i guess freya just sort of raised him uh gaia is his actual birth mother and um he's creating a whirlwind tornado type of an energy tornado is what it's called and mr fantastic the smartest man, some would say, in the Marvel Universe, who is able to solve almost any problem, says, I can say this, it's impenetrable. There is no force on Earth that could break through a field this dense. <laughs> Whereas if this was happening in a Fantastic Four book, yeah. two panels later, he would have broken through. Like, you oh, know I figured I mean? out a thing to break through a field it's, this it's, dense. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I just I just built this last week. It was sitting in my lab. Um <laughs> So I, I literally, like, rolled my eyes at that. That's the sort of thing. It's a very specific sort of thing where it's a little related to what Brian's saying, but they just uh, – other heroes show up in a book and all of a sudden they're dumb as shit <laughs> because they need to be. Um, just don't have Mr. Fantastic there or right. don't have him say that. 
Oh, you, like oh, I I I like, have to work on how to This would take me this. weeks. Don't say yeah. that it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could I could figure this out, but I'm going to need time. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a slight tweak to the scene, and I wouldn't have rolled my eyes and been like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, other than that, I I. It's a pretty fine <clears throat> issue. I don't think this issue really added much uh, up until the very very end. Um, I don't think I really like it was good. But I, I didn't get out of that being like, oh yeah, that was the best issue of Thor I've read in a while. It was it was a good continuation of the last it's couple uh, of issues, which are all very good. Super Saiyan Thor. Mm. What? Yeah, uh, where he's got did Donny Cates now? Did he write the King in Black stuff? Yeah. So that's actually the last place I think that we, the last one that I remember, where we were like, oh, come on, when Steve Rogers <laughs> is like. We've never faced anything even remotely like this. It's like you face things yeah. like this yep. all the time. All the time. Every day. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Right. Every Wednesday. Yeah. One season ago <laughs> yeah. when it was Katati and not <laughs> right. Venom symbiotes. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was when Sentry showed up <laughs> and he had him take out the Sentry very, very easily. Uh, I, I, I hear what you guys are saying and, and I'm, I'm only mildly forgiving of it because I know it's it's my it's kind of my problem because i read so much but if i was only reading like the event or the book or i was 12 and not absorbing all of it then i'd be like holy shit it's so big that even fantastic doesn't know like yeah yeah i, I give it a bit of a pass but you're absolutely right like they always nerf they always nerf guest nerf guest yeah. characters always i'm not it's even like a, it's a fucking rule it is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I like, I, so I enjoyed this. I liked it better than the last issue. Um, this is cool at the end because Odin is typically, at least a, like a long time ago, was typically in all golden kind of metal band armor like this, like bands of metal, yeah. not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not like a metal band, <laughs> but, um, uh, so I thought that that was a cool combining of the, you know, the Odin force. The looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting that they call her Gaia because her name would be Earth or Yorda or something like that, which is where we get the word Earth. Um, but I guess if you call her Earth, it's not as, it hey, doesn't sound as, look, as good, you know? I have the text right there, History of the Marvel Universe. There you go. They refer to her as Gaia <laughs> from the very beginning, so... Look, I guess they just translate that one. We're not, yeah, we're not dealing with uh, the real world. We're dealing with the Marvel universe. No, I just find it interesting that because you would think they would call it Gaia, like the Greeks in the Marvel universe would call it Gaia, and then mm. so that tradition kind of came into modern America, but that the Norse people would still, I assume, in you know, in the the Marvel universe would call her Earth or whatever, um, which meant this was just another word for Midgard. Um, and or the ground, and then as our understanding of where we were came, you know, evolved uh, into what it is today, we started calling the planet Earth, evidently. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I like the back and forth with um, Mjolnir a little bit uh, more than I did last yeah. issue, and it's cool too. Thor exploring his "I am also the son of the Earth" kind of thing, and I feel like they're. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really building up a Thor is Thor. He is not somebody who wields Mjolnir. 
kind of thing. Like he's, which is a cool story yeah. arc for Thor. Like I am uh, a, a powerful entity in my own right. Um, and it's mm-hmm. Thor in the Marvel universe has always been about holding that hammer. Um, so this is an interesting progression. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I realized we've read maybe like the last three of these. Um, cause it just always comes out and it's mm-hmm. always mildly interesting. Um, do you guys want to continue reading Thor? I think we should. I mean, it's part four because of five. So for this, I was, yeah. the end of this arc is an anniversary issue, I believe, because it's the yeah. 60th anniversary of Thor. And I think it's issue 24 is like a jam issue. I think JMS is coming back and Simonson and they're oh, doing man. a bunch of. So it's like the end of this arc and then more Thorness. So maybe we'll just like see how it goes from there. Sounds cool. Sure. Uh, Stretching my back. Oh, okay. Still, it's a great book. Uh, Thor is great. It was just that one panel where I was like, ah, come on, Donnie. What you doing, Donnie? <laughs> um, all right, that's the books for the week. But we're not done oh. yet. We're going to talk about Peacemaker, son. Did everybody finish it? I, just, I finished it. I did. Okay. That's everybody. Hey, we did it. <laughs> this show. All right, so we went and saw... I, I did, Gosh, did Nolan and I go to see the the Suicide Squad? James Gunn, the Suicide Squad. Yep. And uh, uh, we, I, it was already approved that there was going to be. Um, he had already shot, I think, wrote and shot the HBO Max TV show oh. before Guardians of the Ga- or I'm sorry, before the Suicide Squad came out. I didn't know that. And uh, after the what? I didn't know that. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. And so we walk out of the theater, and I was like, wait, which, who, which one of these guys is getting his own show? It's oh, Peacemaker. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> that guy? Who's that? John Cena? Oh, all right. And it just, out of all of the characters in that movie, he was the one I was the least yeah. interested in having a side quest with. Um, but I thought, all right, James Gunn, he hasn't done me wrong. I think ever. I don't think he's ever uh, made a, a movie I haven't enjoyed. Uh, if, I can't think of it at the moment if he has. Um, and then this dropped and we watched it and I was like, fuck, all right, you win, <laughs> James Gunn. You've done it again. This is delightful. Uh, you've given this character pathos, um, even though I really didn't like him in the movie. Uh, they sort of explain where he's coming from, where he's been. His motivations, his insecurities, his favorite music. Um, It's just, this was delightful, top to bottom. Uh, It was big and bombastic and crazy in the last episode, as I was hoping it would be with the cow. Um, Yeah, uh, all of the characters were interesting. Them as a team had a lot of really fun dynamic. Um, Really, really into it. Eagly, I think I might do a sticker. Uh, I think I want to do my next sticker is going to be um, um, Peacemaker and Eagly doing the hug. Nice. Um, just because I want one. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I thought this was great. I'm excited that there's a season two. Hopefully the se- second season can keep it up. Uh, I would have liked to have seen other Suicide Squad members show up, but maybe we'll get that in season two. I did not care about the big reveal at the end of the last episode. Hmm. It was a cute little moment, but those versions of those characters have been sullied for me by the past 
10 years of bad DC movies, so I didn't really care that they showed up. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. What did you think, Brian? Uh, I liked it a lot. I think I felt pretty similarly uh, when I heard that <laughs> this was the character that was coming out of the Suicide Squad with the series. I was like, all right, that's cool and all, but why that one? You know, um, and it turned out to be it turned out to be great. You know, it's an excellent mix of humor and emotional realizations and uh, explorations. Um, the relationships between the different characters are are all outstanding. You know, mostly with him and each individual character, like um, Economos, and um, we would be remiss not to mention Vigilante, who yeah. is phenomenal. You know, I mean, he's he's great. I wasn't sure that we would ever see him out of the mask, you know, when he first shows up. Um, although I'm glad that we did, but uh, yeah, he's he's so physically expressive in costume, and just the way that he moves and acts and and speaks are all very niche, you know. He like he nails yeah. it, and I was noticing in the uh, the opening number, the opening dance, phenomenal, oh, phenomenal, so good, and so yeah. Good. The, the I believe when it first came out, we were talking on the on the um, chat. No, this like the captivating nature of its woodenness is mm-hmm. is yeah. like remarkable. Just the dead eyes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and each character, like I think you pointed out, no, that the one character, Adebayo's wife, is um, doing the dance but giving the middle fingers. And this yeah. last one or two, I really noticed. Vigilante is like this much more expressive guy in the dance, which fits his doing flips and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and even when he's doing the moves that everyone else is doing, he's like more fluid. Um, which, yeah, they they, yeah, they did all the choreo- They did all the choreography and character. Like yeah. hardcore yeah, yeah. is hella wooden intentionally. Yeah. Economos has like that one moment in the background where he's like putting mm-hmm. his own swing on things, but no one else is around. Like. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, it's hella so, impressive. While we're talking about the the musical numbers, yes. what nice little thing was the choreographer was they, <laughs> James Gunn asked the choreographer to create choreography that non dancers could do, so she went home and worked on it with her husband. Then they came in to teach the actors, and she brought her husband Alan Tudyk <laughs> to teach. To teach all the the actors their moves, yeah, because nice. he he was the non dancer at home who learned the moves yeah. to see if it was doable. Who is just awesome <laughs> in everything. Delightful yeah. stuff. I love Alan. Anytime Alan Tudyk shows up in any capacity, yeah. it makes the project. So better. I hope you're watching Resident Alien. If we could sidetrack for one sentence, it's a phenomenal show. Yeah, it's great. I highly recommend it. Oh, I yeah. have to. Um, but the. The scene at the end of which you spoke. Are we spoiling it? Are we saying who showed up? It's a week old. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Guys, so. we're going to say who shows up at the end of Peacemaker. If you don't want to hear about that, then you should not be listening right after this. It's the Justice League from Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. And it really felt to me, in a great way, like in a comic that is of the Peacemaker-type nature... When other characters who are never really like that behave in that way because they're in that comic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the Justice League would not say the things they wouldn't they wouldn't say that probably 
but in a Peacemaker story, they would. And everything kind of gets bent through that lens. I would presume you would hate that. Um, I normally would, but yeah. it's not really... No, scratch that. I wouldn't normally. It's a, it's a quick gag, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really see it as being deeply canon, you know? Even though, yes, it happens, and... Did wait? What did the Justice League say? Wasn't there only like one it was like line, two lines. one from uh, Aquaman and one from Flash? Right? It was like yeah, but it was it oh, was. I hate that rumor. And Flash teases him and says it's not a rumor. Right? And he goes fuck you or something. Like it's that. so it's not wildly out of character. It's maybe just a little bit, yeah. right? Like I think yeah. Aquaman is definitely the kind of guy who would say fuck you. He that's just true. hasn't been allowed to up until that's now a good because point. he hasn't been in a rated R. Project. Right. That's true. That version of Aquaman absolutely says fuck you. Yeah. It kind of, to me, feels a little bit like when um, Justice League members might show up in a Constantine story. Um, and they would mm. behave a little more like Constantine's world. Um, and, I don't know, it just doesn't register much. It's not a story about them. It's just like seeing them in one right. panel. Um, yeah, so I thought it was it was cool. It worked. It's not like my favorite outing of the Justice League. But, uh, yeah. Right. So... It did make me go, ah, see now, they, uh, yeah, I remembered when there was a, um, a cameo, a Superman cameo in Shazam. Mm. And I was, I'm still bummed that they didn't just like have Henry Cavill mm. there. Like, just don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, but this at I thought this was way, okay. I mean, Henry Cavill wasn't here, but like, at least. You had two of the other ones. he was a little bit. Right. If it was just yeah. the silhouettes, oh, that could have been fine too, actually, if there they was, did it right. But yeah. He. He was uh, James Gunn was asked like, "How come just those four and not the other ones? If this is the canon you're working on, and blah blah blah." And he was, and he had like a cagey answer about how he's not exactly sure what he's allowed to say and not say. But there was reasons as to why some characters showed up and some weren't because they might be being worked on and blah blah blah. And I was like, "Whatever, it's fine." It was it's a throwaway gag. They it's, weren't available. Yeah, Did you hear a, why? A, well, Ezra I mean, Miller was neither involved. was. What? There oh was, yeah. yeah. That they were yeah. uh, so Jason Momoa was always on board, and then somewhere along the way, they found out through a mutual friend that Ezra Miller was a big fan of James Gunn's movies. So he was like, huh. "Oh, do you want to be in this thing?" Oh, and then Marvel shot that scene. Did you read about that too? Yeah, um, they got approval to do it, and he's in the middle of filming Guardians. So he got the Marvel crew to shoot that one like insert of Barry. So Marvel technically shot a DC yeah. project and they shot, I think it was like That's kind cool. of a return for, um, the suicide squad had shot the test footage of the guy who played Mern is going to be in guardians of the galaxy. So they yeah. had shot that and it's cool. I, I like the show a lot. I love, I like every second of it. There's, um, to plug another podcast, uh, Pop Culture Happy NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour had some not positive things to say about it, and they were correct. What were those but things? That the structure of each episode is absolutely the same. Um, mm, the way that James Gunn writes dialogue is absolutely the same every single time. It's mm. um, an earnest character, an idiot character. They're saying something, and they stop the scene to comment on something that was said. And then joke about it. That's literally that's everything. What I was going to say over and over again was there was a couple of scenes uh, throughout this where I'm like, oh, okay, you guys are 
going to find the helmet. It's time to have time to do a bit. Hmm. We're looking yeah. for a helmet. The two of us are together in the woods. Time to have a bit. He's been bit, doing yeah. that. I enjoyed that. That, that got bit. a little stale. <laughs> I, yeah. The 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 gentleman that was making the comment um, binged six episodes. So it's yes, the pattern was incredibly yeah. clear. However, on a weekly basis, it was fine. This was a delightful show. Yeah. I loved every second of it. Um, the action was really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of really, really fun, creative, handheld stuff. Uh, and then when it did get big and special effects-y, it didn't look like shit. So I was like, this yeah. is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, we seem to be in a time yeah. where TV can look as cool as movies. You know, which is very yeah. cool. Yeah. It is- I heard I heard a rumor that he is, after Guardians of the Galaxy... Yeah, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy that he's going to focus more on television, which... Makes sense. Hmm. There was, um, uh, it was, there's going to be another season of this. No idea when. Uh, but I, I, he is working on something, TV, another TV project for DC. Hmm. And I think he said that it's Suicide Squad related or adjacent. Cool. I was like, I, at this point, I don't care. Really? Like, if it was an ambush bug show, I would still probably give it a shot. Like, I, I don't care. Like, just something. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 I was a little worried at the end there, you know, so Mern's out, and uh, even if the butterfly had gone into somebody else, that actor is out. And then I was a little worried a bit in the reverse that I was like, oh, did they just kill Harncourt? Uh, yeah, that pissed me. I was, yeah. I was going to riot, like, this yeah. is the best, the best new character of your right. show. Right, and you, like, if you weren't getting a season two, I, I could understand a little bit more. And I was like, oh, are they going to have a butterfly go into her? Yes, that would be all right, but I, you know, it wouldn't be the same character. It would be like yeah. it would be like when, what they did to Fred and Angel. Yes, they made her It'd be exactly yeah. like Illyria. that. Fred, Fred come uh, on, yeah, uh, Illyria. That's, that's right. That's oh, um, I broke my heart. No, right. Uh, they did make a Gen- pretty deep flash reference though when she could move fast. Jennifer, cool. Jennifer Holland, the actress that plays Harcourt, that they're they're engaged. I that's saw Jim, that, yeah. James Gunn's fiance. That, yeah, yeah. that's cool. really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, this show was a fucking delight. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and the soundtrack. The, the songs yeah. are so terrible, but so catchy. The opening theme is a great song, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's rocking. Do I, do I want to taste it? I don't know. I think you do. It's a yes. Yeah, do I? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then something else. What was the other the thing? Book. Oh, was, uh, Boba. The Book of Boba. Oh, The Book of Boba. Oh, Kevin says, Kevin's down in the chat saying, don't remind me of Fred. Yeah. She's dead. Fred real my favorite. Oh, dead. She turns, and she's like in mid-sentence, I think, when she just like turns on the stairs and spits blood and falls over. Oh, yeah, they're getting guy. ready for their date. And they made such uh, a point oh. as to be like, not only is she dead, her soul is gone. You know? Yeah. Like she's out. Yeah. She's not around. And I, I did. That was really good. Angel that's, at that time. That, oh, yeah. That's honestly that's the best season five is the best season of all Buffy verse. You think so? Absolutely. Really? Especially especially like yeah, that whole Wolfram and Hart season is the mm. best season of all the Buffy shows or the Buffy related shows. And um just the way that the Wesley and Illyria stuff is wrapped up is just so that was very cool. like that was cool. would you like me to lie to you now? He's like, Yes, please. Yeah. Because they were about to finally go out on a date, right? Like, they weren't dating. Were they? Yeah. 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 I always liked Angel, I think, like, 
peak for me was the season where they wind up in the other reality, the other dimension. That, season two. Um, oh, that's season the end two. of season one, dude. No, I don't think so. Oh, is that when Connor happens? No, 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 no. no, no. At season three. The oh, Connor was such a little shit. Yeah. Um, well, wait. I hated that kid. It's four actually. So he has the kid in season two, three. He's in hell the whole season, and then like the end of three, beginning of four. Yeah, I think it's a shame. It's all. It's all. I mean, I haven't gone back to revisit it, but knowing what happened with uh, Charisma Carpenter doing all that stuff, yeah. like really fucking ah. Yeah, but on the anyway, other I'm hand, sorry. What were we doing? I mean, if you go back and revisit it, Charisma Carpenter is also helped. You know what I mean? It's a very complicated issue because um, you're watching something that she was in. Um, you know yeah. what I mean is a lot of people contributed to that show. Um, yes. we're, yeah, we're not going to have that conversation. Why not? It's, it's ten fifty. <laughs> what do you guys think yeah. of <laughs> Book of Boba Fett? We got yeah, I got to go do my orders. But uh, Book of Boba Fett, we finished that up, and it was a really good Mandalorian season three. A two point five. Two point five. Two point five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt the way I think a lot of people felt, which is like, oh, this Boba Fett stuff is fine. Oh, here we go. Okay, Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, great. This is I'm I'm here for this a little bit more. Um, and then I think the finale was really fun. I don't know if people were complaining about it online. I imagine they were because you can't stop them from doing it. Um, they'll find anything to be upset about. But oh. I feel like when that motherfucker comes over riding a rancor galloping over the the rooftops and then hams up those um not droidicals those like uber droidicals whatever those are called fuck me man i was literally cheering um mm-hmm. i was clapping and like really excited i i was pumped oh yeah and i had no what Oh, um, fuck I, i'm sorry to, to revert um speak you, you reminded me because you said people online uh complaining um i am shocked that there aren't Tons and tons of like purist mouth breather assholes complaining about vigilante in Peacemaker because it is absolutely in no way, shape, or form anything like Adrian Chase in the comics. I don't think enough people care about vigilante from the comics. Oh, you'd be surprised, like, pull anything out. Yeah, Yeah. um, it's because it's he's he wasn't replaced by a woman or a black person. Oh, because he's white. Well, I mean, he's he's also the only time the only time it's a problem. Is when Taskmaster is like, oh no, it's a woman now. Oh, they ruined Taskmaster, you know. Do people complain about Bloodsport? Is he black usually? I don't think anybody no, knew about Bloodsport. All right, fair oh, enough. I, I remember Bloodsport from John Byrne's Superman run. I yeah. knew more about uh, Adrian Chase than Bloodsport, especially because he's been on TV. Like, Bloodsport he was, in the... was black, wasn't he? Was he? I don't know. I think recall. he was. I think Bloodsport was black yeah. in the John Byrne Superman. You yeah, know, also. Yeah, I think he was. Peacemaker is not usually like this. Like, that was the whole show. So maybe yeah. that had something to do with it. Either way, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah Book of Boba Fett, the, fin- the finale was great. And I remember having this, like, when they, I thought it was incredibly ballsy to just, at five episodes, or at the fifth episode, just tell a different story for two yeah. episodes. Like, I thought, like, mm-hmm. at least, maybe I would have gotten it or, or understood it more if they were interspersing between Boba and Mando for like two episodes. But no, they were like, fuck this. It's going to be, no, they didn't do that. Like it literally was almost an entire episode of Mando and then a half episode, which I thought was, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Oh, choppy makes me think like jerky, whereas maybe jarring. Cause it's, we stayed there is what I'm trying Uh, to say. Like we stayed there. Gotcha. 
after that shock. I, I'm going right? by episodes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the, the season itself felt choppy. Like, they just sort of, like, chopped it up and threw in, like, oh, we'll just put in these two episodes now of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. I still, I still think that it was by design two separate shows. Uh, mm. Like, um, they knew that they knew what they were going to do at the end of season two of Mandalorian, but they also knew that like Pedro Pascal was going to go film another TV show and something else. So it almost feels like Boba Fett was designed to be a stopgap season because they only had actors for like mm. a couple of weeks. Which I'm totally fine with. It didn't make it less. It just was like, all right, cool. And I wasn't, I, I, uh, when they did all the Luke and Grogu stuff, I didn't want Grogu to go back to Mando so quickly. I was telling JD this. I was just like, I feel like they just left each other, like maybe stretch it out. What are the characters like away from each other? But then when they did reunite, I was like, no, this is fine. (laughs) Yeah. I like this a lot. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This stupid little walk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he just jumped up and hugged him, I was just like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. And I love the Starfighter. I'm an easy mark, man. Hmm. What's that? I love the Starfighter. I love the Naboo Starfighter. It's like one of my favorite shows. I fucking hate that. I love it. I hate the Starfighter. I'll tell you why. It makes no goddamn sense. Like, it's a cool ship, and it's a real fun reference to the prequels. Very cool. The fact that he is a bounty hunter whose job is to go out and collect human bodies to then turn in for money. Yeah. And you have a one-person car. Yeah. We'll work it out. The only other spot is, like, a spot for a droid. Which is occupied. So, but he's, he's he's been getting by with literally no ship. And then you just take other shuttles if you have to actually bring anybody back to someplace. It's fine. I think a also lot of his jobs could be a lot of his, there. a lot of his jobs could be on planet. It's not from a one place to another, like I'm he gets saying. from planet to planet. But once he's there, yeah. he's like the job back. is on planet. It's not Good a big bit. deal. And now, or he could just ship the ship, take a shuttle. It's dumb as shit. <laughs> I, I don't like. I it. agree. It's the coolest I mean, thing in the world. Cool. I think. I mean, I thought he was going to get a new ship by the end of that episode because he mentioned something like as soon as you get another Razorcrest let me get it you know give me a call and I'll trade this one in so I thought that was gonna I thought that ship was gonna be a big deal for the finale of Boba Fett and then and and then then he would get another exactly and that's not how it turned out to be but um, you know it it's meaningful that we're discussing the Mandalorian so much in this because Definitely the first two episodes of this, I was like, when's the Mandalorian coming back? This is cool. When's, but where's, yeah. where's the Mandalorian, man? And then he showed up way earlier than expected, and that was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, it was definitely the best episode up to that point of the show was the, the one that of, was about the Mandalorian. The end of episode <laughs> four is when, you know, Fennec and Boba are just like, we're going to need some help. I think I know who to ask. Yeah. And then they do the little... Mm-hmm. Mandalorian music, mm-hmm. and so I, I looked at my wife. I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna see Mandalorian the next episode," and I thought that they were gonna just kind of like stretch it out a little bit, but no. Right. Literally, the first fucking shot of the show <laughs> yeah. is him walking in a room, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna find out where he's been." Uh, they're probably gonna cut to no, 
Nope. It was an hour. <laughs> yeah. It was an episode a of the Mandalorian. short film of, of Mandalorian. And I'm like, like, this is great. If they I'm made a DVD of the Mandalorian, that should probably be on it. <laughs> that, that, see that <laughs> yeah, show, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. right. But I, yeah. I, I, I know that, like, you know, they're different titles. They have different, they should have their own, like, narrative strength. And I do think that Boba Fett was strong enough if it was just four episodes of its own thing. Hmm. But that I know I've seen some people complaining online that like if it was going to be Mandalorian and a half just fucking call it that or now I got to watch all the Star Wars shows because they're all connected and you never I'm like yeah oh yeah just they definitely watch them all. called it Mandalorian and a half yeah. well, just, like I, a wacky it's, <laughs> it's complaining that it's complaining that they got what they wanted in a place they didn't want it and right. I just find that incredibly stupid also the, will, Star Wars fans will complain about any guy yeah. they can also just watch it the same with no additional money, the same way that they were watching The Mandalorian, they've obviously heard about it. You just yeah. go watch it if that's what you want. It, it's it's just so silly. Like it's like, look, yeah. I want this. No, not like that. No, not <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. No, different. Like it's just shut up. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we I think we talked about it on the show, and uh, or maybe off. And JD, you mentioned that the cybernetic people. Uh, who had the hover bikes? The mods. You said, "Oh, they're also mods. Like they're cybernetic." Is there another usage of that word? Yeah. That mods are a group uh, from the '60s. Oh, uh, that kind of, of yeah, yeah. Punks uh, who had uh, Vespas and scooters, and um, they would. They were part of the under. What I was. They would also dress very preppy too, like hmm. blazers and ties. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't know. Vespas were part of that aesthetic. I know about the mods. I know about yes. the squad of mods, the mod squad. Um, there was a movie in the 90s, remember? Uh, no. I remember that it existed, but I don't oh, remember. There, cool. there was a TV show in the no, 70s, no, no, no. and then, oh, no, no, and then that they is, made a movie about it. That is accurate. Adam, what I meant is, like, that's how I came into it. Like, I was aware that the mod squad existed, but then the movie came out in the 90s, and my, you know, I watched it with my dad, and he was like, that was fine. It was a, but the show was cool. Um, but I didn't know that these people would fit into that mod. Uh, yes. Okay. This is the Star Wars version of. Mods, All right, that's cool. But it's, they're also they're also physically modified, yeah. which I thought was just like cute. It's hmm. short for modern, right? Yeah. It was yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah. like yeah. Like mid-century um, modern was big just before that, and modernism, and that was in a lot of cultural words at the time. There, um, uh, what made the show better than anything else, Book of Boba Fett I'm talking about, you know what, also retroactively what made Mandalorian better show as well, um, is the inclusion of Timothy Oliphant, his Cobb Vanth. Hmm. Uh, the handsomest man on planet Earth. Do you guys on know he was planet in the movie Tatooine. Go. Yeah, of course. Remember, I've been following, I his, yeah. I've I, been following I, his career for decades now. I saw it and loved a Go, gem. but I didn't know who he was at the time. He's the drug you know? dealer. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, mm. I've been following him since uh, Scream 2, where he played Mickey the Tarantino film student. <laughs> so um, I wondered about him, because he certainly doesn't seem to die in the in this scene where he gets shot in the shoulder, right? Uh, and wait. then yeah. they later say, like, oh, he died. And I'm like, they... There's no way. There, okay. Yeah. Did you watch the whole show? Yeah, no, I know what happens at the end, but oh, during okay. the show, well, they're like, yeah, he the died. Dude, the yeah. dude, I actually went back and, like, I was like, there's no way that he just got, like, <laughs> right. died from that. <laughs> right. uh, and the, the townsfolk, the free the Freeman townsfolk, 
said that he was shot in cold blood. It's true. Didn't yeah. say yeah. he died. No, like he was shot. He yeah. shot him down in cold blood. Like, yeah. All right. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm, there's no way you, you, there's no way you kill somebody that handsome. Exactly. <laughs> who does that? Who does that? Cad Bane think he is? Um, A bat. He was. Wait, that was, was it? cool. Yeah. That was cool when Cad Bane showed up. I thought that was cool as hell. Although I thought he looked really good. He did look really cool, and it was a shame that he wasn't a bigger part of this show. I really feel like the backstory with the Tuscan Raiders could have been a lot less. Um, And just all the same stuff happened, but less of that. And it maybe would have been great to have some Cad Bane backstory because they talk to each other as though they have known each other a very long time and that they have a lot of dealings that I know have been in the the show, uh, the animated series. And, you know, like since Boba Fett was a kid or at least young enough that an older man would call him a kid. And when Fett kills him, it feels like something that's probably very monumental and meaningful to him. But there's not Mm -hmm. even a quick flashback during that fight of them. Some history to give us a a grounding to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. just a little something. Just I agree. Something, like I yeah. don't think it needed needed it, but I think it would have helped the dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's the magnitude of it. You know, it, that is the finishing mm-hmm. fight for this show. You know, has like kind of boiled down to that. That was Fett's big moment, and I I knew from the dialogue that they had a history, and I bought it, but it didn't seem as big as it probably did if you'd seen all of the animated series. And then Fennec Shand goes off and takes everybody else out. Like, a lot of the cool stuff was done by her, which seemed very anticlimactic, because she's, earlier on in the episode, she's like, I gotta get there, if I can make it in time. She takes a detour, they take care of everything, and she kind of sneaks in and kills them in a pretty cool scene, but in what seemed like it was probably the, what should have been the clinching move, like, they're do or die kind of thing, but was actually just kind of an epilogue to the main battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like an afterthought. Right. Um, and even with Cad Bane, even if they didn't show us their past history and how important that was with more than just dialogue, mm-hmm. making it so Cad Bane was the one who murdered his um, Sand People family? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Tuscan Raiders? Like, if he was the one who killed all the Tuscan Raiders, I had found more, that out? Yeah. Even if there was just more dialogue, it would have gone... You know, it was like two lines in the final fight that really implied that they had some history. But, yeah, they even say, like... I mean, Bane is like, oh, no, those other people killed killed the Tusken Raiders. And then Fennec Shan kills them. <laughs> so there's no real revenge for that. And they don't take the Tusken Raider thing into account at all. Which is fine. You know, sometimes that's how it is in the world. Not every element of your life plays into a big moment later on in your life. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I just saw the movie Licorice Pizza, which was a lot like that. Um, and it's certainly not something that we're used to in stories, but it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad choice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The stuff with Ka- uh, uh, Cobb Vance at the end... Um, I really feel like they want something cool 
for him to have that isn't the Fed armor, you know? Mm-hmm. So now that that's mm-hmm. gone, they figured out a way to give him... He's not They're just a regular guy. Exactly. So I'm in. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Mars Comics is in the chat asking, he was in the tank at the end, right? Yeah. Yes. That was a Cobb tough... Was you, in couldn't, the you couldn't tell by his... Yeah, his pristine, shaded pro, shadow uh, profile. His pristine profile. I definitely had to rewind Although a couple of I times did like, to make sure. I like that twist. I like that slight little twist where um, someone tells Boba, we got to get you in that back to tank. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh no, it's in use already. But because we just had a conversation between um, Boba Fett and... Um, black Chrysanthemum. Ah, Black Chrysanthemum. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you know, I'll let you use the back to tank. Yeah. Um, you kind of assume it's him. That was cool. So then when they show you that it's Cobb Vanth, I was like, oh, nice. Good on you guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know I have a question for you guys. The Grogu and all of them, they're in that sort of droid-powered cart thing, right? It seemed to yeah. me like Grogu is... No, Grogu is a character on American Dad. No, 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 sorry. That's Rogu. Grogu. His name is Grogu. Uh, yes. It seemed to me that he caused the thing to explode. Did you guys get that impression at all? And, like... What thing? The droid that was pulling the cart. It seemed like no. he did that. No. Oh, okay. No, I didn't get that. All right, yeah, I mean, yeah. Could have, but I. Yeah. <laughs> it's entirely possible, and I missed it. It's, but there, there was no payoff to it. There was no like apparent reason that he was like, "Oh, I said something, and we had to stop," or you know. So I, I didn't get it. <laughs> Here's another thing I didn't get. They're, they're fighting these battle droids, and um, Mandalorians like. We can't use our energy weapons, and our kinetic weapons are too fast. And I'm thinking, could you walk? Could you walk in? It seems like you could. I'm saying that the whole time to my wife as we're watching. I'm like, just slowly walk through the shield. So Yeah, just a little bit. So one, the Gungans create a shield, and then the the droid army, their blasters aren't able to get through. So um, throughout the show, I think at one point they roll a grenade very slowly hmm. through the shield and that's able to get through. And if you see in episode one, like the droids just slow down and sort of just slowly walk into the yeah. shield. Uh, I'm wondering if that's because that was in the prequels. These are just modified shields, which are stronger than that. Cause we do see uh, some character, isn't it? Um, black, black chrysanthemum who, who yeah. tries to put his hand through yeah. and it, electrifies him and yeah and he's able to he's finally able to get in walk through it slowly when they damage it at least enough on one side for him to yeah where it gets all red yeah so like because i thought the same thing too because i'm thinking of prequel rules like yeah motherfucker just walk through like avoid here and go there but like he even said explained it yeah our projectiles can't get in because they're moving too fast or something like that yeah. And didn't say anything about, like, I would also be moving too fast if I was to walk in. But yeah. they definitely seem to, even when he gets in there, and he's like, he's like got the Darksaber right at it. I'm like, all right, that's the end of that droid. That was not the end of that droid. It yeah. took another <laughs> few yeah. seconds yeah. For, that to, for that droid to fall down. No, but overall, yeah, I expected cool. the Dark Blade to be stronger, to be honest. Yeah, oh, I think he's having some trouble with it. Um... Yeah. You know, so I imagine that will be, yeah, that will be probably brought up in, in the next thing. Maybe because it's the God of Swords. Could be the God of Swords. <laughs> it's Valifax. <laughs> now, do you guys think that Grogu chose the Mandalorian armor 
or the Mandalorian armor and well, the lightsaber as well. Those are the only two options in my mind, right? Even before we saw the final one. It's like... Wait, he could wait. It's not a choice if you could take both. I mean, that was the choice presented to him. But I wonder if... <laughs> he was just like, fuck yeah. you, I'm getting both. And he, and he scurried away. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I no, wonder I if that will be the... If not in this episode, if that's the arc for the upcoming Mandalorian, that there does not need to be that sharp of a distinction. Like, they're playing a lot into... Uh, you know, Mandalorian said, um, oh, the Jedi are like the opposite of us. They don't like attachment. We're all about attachment. Um, And I wonder if that will be something. It's what I really wanted for Luke, was a little disappointed that he wasn't already like here and was very disappointed in the sequel trilogies that like, I thought it'd been really cool if they realized that dark and light side is the wrong way to look at it. And the attachment, yeah. no attachment stuff is I, not so smart and, you know, all that stuff. I think I think that they, for the purposes of, like, the story to keep the two characters together, but then also not keep them in the same kind of stagnant situation, was sending Grogu off to learn a couple of things so they could level him up and then bring him mm. back. Mm. Like, in hindsight, it feels like that's what they were doing, which I actually am totally okay with. I don't want, I don't want a Luke Skywalker series where he's teaching kids. Mm. I just oh, don't. no, I don't think that's... Where well, no, the show is headed. I didn't say that. That's what you were yeah. saying. That's where it's headed. But that's where like people are wishing that it would go. And like, oh, we should not like. No, I, I, I kind of. I, I would I want like that this if we decision. didn't know where he ended up in the sequel trilogy. Right. Yes, then I would be all about it. it. Yeah. And I am hoping that his lines with Ahsoka mean that he will be showing up in the Ahsoka series. Because um, mm. I was all about it. This is the Luke that I wanted to get a look at. Um, much more so than than the one that we got in the other movies. And I'm interested to see what happens. Um, and maybe he will. Who knows? Maybe he you wanna, will. You want to see all this? You want to see all the, the Messiah stuff before he's proven incorrect in his... Well, maybe they'll his, change uh, time or something, and uh, that won't happen. <laughs> but probably not. Probably I, not. <laughs> I actually liked... I, I liked how this one tied into the sequels, because you do see that Luke is headed down the same wrong path that the other Jedi have all gone down. Mm. And his whole thing is to like, because every choice that, you know, I'm just like, just let Mando see the kid. What are you doing? There's no reason not to let dude see the kid. And they're like, oh, it'll be too difficult for him. Fuck you, that's not your decision to make. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, my dad stopped by and brought me a shirt. Right. Uh, now I'm sad. Yeah. Like, what? Are you kidding? Especially since Grogu literally sees, right. um, he sees the, the, ship. what's the ship yeah. take yeah. off. So he knows that, that Mando was there and didn't say hi. Is that, does that make him go like, oh, it's much better. Why didn't he come say hi to me? Also, it doesn't yeah, have to be I, a once and done thing. They could see each right. other every so often. I, I am, I am, yeah. I do not romanticize the Jedi Order. Yeah. Yes. No. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Is that Luke at the end? Luke at the Last Jedi is correct. Mm. His his mm. statement about the Jedi and how the Jedi are were so full of hubris that they caused their own extinction is a hundred percent on point. Um, and all of the audiobooks that I've been listening to, where they sort of like detail the Jedi Order and all the different things they have to do. The, the more and more I spend with the Jedi Order, uh, the more I go, oh yeah, this this is a cult that sucks Mm -hmm. Um, and they're doing things the wrong way and they're cutting people, they're cutting themselves off from, you know, um, love Mm -hmm. and relationships. 
Um, although in the High Republic novel I just read, one of the one of the Jedi straight up fucks. Oh, nice. He wakes up in a bed naked, like he he had sex the night before mm. with somebody, and he kind of regrets it. Um, See, they. But, that's um, what I thought. You know, the the Star Wars nine episode saga is happens a long, long time ago. It's the like monumental cultural tale of whatever society is the present of that galaxy, right? And all of that stuff kind of came up in the prequels, and then the result of it was the events that they dealt with in the original trilogy. And um, from what I understand about the novels, they go a bit of a different way with things. And that's what I thought it, I would have much rather have seen is like, oh, there's actually a change to, like, this was how we moved past looking at it as a dark and light side. This is how we got past Mm. Jedi and Sith. Luke was able to... See a better yeah. way, and the books, yeah. Ray Jedi. The yeah. the books did that. The books did that in real. Like you're talking about, like the legacy, the legends books, like the Timothy Zahn stuff. They did that mm. in real time, kind of showing you the progression. The sequel movies ignored all of that in order to tell a reintroduction story. Yeah, it was Ryan Johnson who made connected the dots that hey, maybe this thirty year cycle is damaging as fuck. So they you couldn't they couldn't at that point after J.J. Abrams makes his choice they couldn't retroactively like well we're going to tell you a past tale of how all these characters well, no, actually I, lived happily ever after. I mean I thought that thing. they were headed to you know he's he's gone off at the end of the first one and he's at a place where the old Jedi texts are and you don't know what he's been doing. I thought he had mm-hmm. gone off to like do something. You know what I mean like. He had gone off to advance the knowledge of the force. If he had gone off to do something, he would be findable. He literally went off. They had to... The whole purpose of the first film... I'm sorry, the seventh film... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...is we don't know where Luke is. He's hiding. We have to find him. And we have to find the piece of a map Hmm. to get it to R2 so that we can find out where he is. So J.J. Abrams set up that whole plot of, like... He's a hermit now. He's hiding. I didn't get that from that movie. I thought he had gone off to like, I'm off. I'm yes, I'm reclusive, but because I'm on a crazy journey, where I'm like learn, I'm I'm tracing to the the very origins of the Jedi to find out. Yeah, but why would he not be able to? Why wouldn't he have a com on him to be like, hey, Leia? Or he's like I, too I far away. For lunch. He's either too far away, or it's like he's got to be so secluded. That's where I thought they were headed at the end of the first movie, and then they went with the whole, um, I reject I, the I, whole Jedi thing, but don't learn even, anything from it or advance it in any way, you know? Even even prior to the new movies, I was not a fan of the interpretation of Luke as some paragon or or messiah within the Force. I always found that defeating the purpose or the point. Then why is the story um, about him? <laughs> like, why is this the just, epic? Because that's just the story. That's the story that they were telling. Those that that bloodline. That every other, mm. every other material outside of like just the Skywalkers, the Force existed in. Oh yeah, millions and many others. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's a sure. democratized thing. We were just only focusing on this one family, as as does like the fucking whatever, like the family in Dallas, because it's just a soap opera, right? That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. there aren't other billionaire tycoons and their own journeys. Like, it's just... Yeah, but they don't have a prophecy about that. 
<laughs> the people in no, Dallas. But the prophecy wasn't about Luke. He fulfilled the kind of he checked the boxes of the prophecy if it yeah. was true. Or Vader did. It, what, you know, one or the other. Or Vader did. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it wasn't, yeah. Luke was never Jesus Christ to me. So the whole thing, all of the stuff that came out about like The Last Jedi and how you've ruined my childhood and you've ruined this great character, it made sense to me because also every single Jedi that you we had seen up until that point that didn't get murdered or killed became disillusioned hmm. <laughs> and cranky because it's like yeah. they the natural progression if you didn't die early was to realize that maybe maybe this wasn't the right way to share your gifts but he kind of already and figured I thought that, that, that out was great. in the original trilogy right like he's like no check it I'm out of here I gotta go save my friends you know he seemed like he was on a different path a path of more love and that at the, kind of at the end of the third one uh or I mean, whichever one it was um where he leaves yoda and then he turns vader back to the light side through the power of love and connection you know sure yeah uh that to me seems like what like star the star wars saga should be the cultural the main cultural myth of the society that it is in long long mm-hmm. ago thousands of years ago um and that there's some reason that like there is some massive change from episode one of the prequels like the way their world is then to the end be- that and that's why this is this story is told to, you know to that point yeah the last jedi yeah should have been the massive change for whatever is beyond this just families one family's struggle right hmm. like um because i i almost feel like it would be great if the last jedi or a version of the last jedi was actually the first was part seven so hmm. because yeah. like in narrative fiction being able to take your characters and grind them down to a ground just like to a smooth nub and there's nowhere for them to go hmm. to build them back up into something stronger hmm. That happened at the end of The Last Jedi. Hmm. And it feels as though the filmmakers were too chicken shit to follow through with that and build something new. And they just they just created a middle movie that they explained in an opening scroll and then proceeded to hit fan service notes for two and a half hours. That didn't yeah. make sense. Well, and I also feel like they didn't hit enough, you know, because there was probably marketability involved and they're like, we want new characters whereas I loved m- almost all of those new characters yeah I would have preferred them maybe show up a little bit in that movie and then there's a later movie that stars Ray and Finn and Poe uh, but the sequel trilogy I think would have been great if it was like older Luke and Han and Leia yeah. whether or not Harrison to, Ford um, would have been willing to do it who knows I was but. talking to somebody in the shop about this uh, yesterday and I have to leave so I'm sorry but sure. I was talking to somebody about the shop yesterday um, I was watching I put on the prequel trilogy they are not good movies mm-hmm. I do not enjoy them uh-huh. but they are they are charming mm-hmm. they're consistent and they have one solid through line that doesn't mm-hmm. divert yes and in those aspects alone yeah. Collectively, they may be stronger than the sequel trilogy. I have no idea why they did not, knowing they were making three movies, plan <laughs> out a three-movie story. 
Yeah. With that said, with that said, though, yeah. The Last Jedi is my second favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, really? Across all nine. Same. Period. Same. So, like, my favorite movie exists, and I feel is the weakest trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. What's number one? Empire Strikes Back. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. It's Empire, Last, Star Wars, Jedi, mm. uh, Sith, Menace, Clones. Mm. All right. I, I'm not putting the. Rogue One and yeah, yeah, yeah. Solo Main in there. Trilogies. Those are just great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I have yeah. to leave, guys. I'm so right. sorry. I love you. Right on. Take it easy. Yeah, me too. I'm in the middle of doing my no, work. All right. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will see you next week, next Monday night at 9 p.m., uh, the day after my B-Day. For more Star and, Wars um, talk. No, it's kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's it. We're out of here. Love you. Email us at coltpopco at gmail.com. Join our Patreon, Johnny Destructo. Blah, blah, blah. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.